This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Sourcing Journal Radio, a regular check-in with apparel industry insiders and thought leaders, which spotlights a variety of topics currently driving change in the market. This podcast series is made possible by Cotton Incorporated, a not-for-profit company funded by U.S. cotton producers and importers, and whose mission is to increase the demand and profitability of cotton. Discover what cotton can do. Welcome to Rivet 50 Radio. I'm Edward Hertzman, president of Sourcing Journal and Rivet. Today we're speaking with Enrique Sia, CEO and co-founder of denim finishing company Genealogia. Enrique, welcome and thank you for joining. Thank you very much, Eddie. It's a great pleasure to uh, join you today. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. So I, I want to start off with probably your least favorite question, uh, COVID. COVID has changed the course of action for many companies throughout the supply chain. Can you talk to me about how you applied your G2 ozone technology to meet uh, some of the immediate needs of the emergency workers? Ah, of course, Eddie. I mean, I think it's a, it's a fantastic history. I mean, uh, when the pandemic started in Europe in March 2020, the hospital in Spain and all around Europe and the world were, were collapsed. And we see unbelievable pictures of doctors in the hospitals using uh, diving googles and suffering. It was a chaos, a real chaos. And our business was at the same time completely stopped. So we decided that was time to help and was time to, to do something for our community. And in, in a very short period of time, we organized a hackathon with all our research and development team. And we developed a system to build screen marks to protect the doctors in the Spanish hospitals. And we find a way to sanitize them using the ozone of our G2 equipment. And, and what happened is that in only 50 days and with the help of the Spanish army and a class one uh, Spanish uh, lab, we learned the way to destroy COVID-19 from the, from the surface of, uh, of any material uh, using uh, the ocean of our YouTube. So our, our team transformed our development center in Valencia in a real sanitization uh, waiting room. And it was unbelievable because we start to produce uh, facial masks and screen masks for the doctors. We were producing 15,000 masks a day, and it was great. We, we, we feel that we were serving our community. 
In 45 days, we produced more than 500,000 masks, uh, and it was, you know, giving service to, to all these people and all this hospital. And uh, our government named Genologia as a essential company for our country. And Eddie, believe me, today we, we are proud, but we also have, thanks to the exercise, the technology to sanitize textiles. So companies like Amazon are using in this moment our technology in uh, their photographic shooting studios in New York and in other places of the world to sanitize clothing and to protect the, the fitting models. So, uh, you know, as a conclusion, it was hard times, but, uh, but I'm proud of what the, the Genealogia team uh, was doing. So, Enrique, how do you think this pandemic will affect fashion supply chain in the long term? Uh, and, and how has it changed the way your company operates? I mean, clearly, your ability to pivot in the short term is, is tremendous for the, you know, for the amount of people you're able to help and probably for the short term financial success of your company. But, but how do you see this uh, changing the way you operate moving forward? I think the pandemic changed everything. More than that, changed everything, accelerate everything but have shown a very clear disalignment between supply and demand, between the way consumers buy online and the way we produce garments overseas all around the world. And I'm sure that you have this data, Eddie, but 15% of the garments that are produced are never sold, are landfill or barn, or I don't know what the brands do with them. So it's time to change the way we produce and it's time to produce what we sell rather than sell what we produce. And we start a program that we call Urban Factory. Really this program was to start two years before COVID, but now it's completely accelerated. The idea of this program, the Urban Factory program, is that we believe and we strongly believe that 20% of manufacturing will come back near the consumer. That means that it's going to come back to the US, to Europe, to Japan, or to cities like London, New York, Miami, or, or, or Madrid. And it is possible today with the technology to produce at a neutral cost textile and apparel without damaging the planet and near the consumer. Technology make it possible. We have a, a first experience of that just before the COVID, uh, and it's something we do with, with Levi's in, in the middle of the desert of Nevada, where we create a plant for them that can produce uh, without any water. It's the, it's the first time in the history of the textile industry since the Egyptians were dyeing cotton in the in the River Nile, that, that we can produce garments and we can produce jeans without the need of water. For, for us, this is like a planetary event. It's a dream. And, uh, and we believe it's time for a new generation of entrepreneurs, of, uh, of tech artisans, of micro factories all around the world where creativity and technology meets, where robots are humans are working together. And, uh, and, and this is the sourcing model that we believe is going to drive the future. A lot of micro factories in the cities, in the smart cities near the consumer. This is a reality. It is possible and, and we are working for that and we, we are sure that this will happen and will change the supply chain and the sourcing model for the future. So you said in the aftermath of COVID, quote, uh, comfort will be more important than sexy. 
how will this shift apply to denim? You know, one thing that I'm afraid of is that in this, this active wear athleisure boom, companies lose focus and they, they, they try to become everything for everybody. And I hope people are not just trying to, you don't see a dressmaker all the sitting making yoga pants, but at the same time, we can't lose, we can't forget the fact that people are changing how they go to work or if they go to work, how they do their day-to-day routine. So how will this change in consumer consumption affect the denim business? I think that in the case of denim is going to be is going to be neutral. I mean, sexy is always important because fashion is about is about emotion, is about uh, making you feel good. But in this moment, we are all at home. Togetherness is a value. Family is a value. We are trying to find familiar things, and denim first has always represent comfort number one and number two if you see the way we are wearing jeans and the way jeans look is the only garment that through finishing we get the look of the effect of the past of the time and this is the visual representation of comfort the effect of the past of the time the effect of a worn garment, it really represents visually the comfort. So it's, it's like, a, like a familiar look in the crowd. It's, it's something magic. And, and, and that's why I believe that uh, in this new value and priority for consumers that is comfort, denim is going to play a very important role. So let's pivot a little bit. You're a big champion of digital design, having launched your digital tool, eDesigner. I believe it was less than a year ago now. How do you see that playing a role in the future? And why do you think some are hesitant to implement this into their practice? Well, Eddie, I mean, the main thing I think is first, we need to understand that digital design is not a target for anybody. Digital design is a tool to meet consumer needs. And and that's the first thing that we need to understand. But, uh, but digital design, it means a completely different way to create and, and to work. So it requires a change of, of mindset. And probably that's why it will take some time to be adopted for everybody. But uh, in jeans, it's even more difficult. Uh, because uh, as, as I was telling before, jeans is about fit and fabric, but it's also about finish. And finish, the, the role of finish is to reproduce the effect of the past of the time. So you can create a photorealistic digital design, but the problem is how are you going to produce if in this photorealistic you know, digital design, you have the fit, you have the fabric, but you also have the finish. So how you have the formula of the finish. So that's, that's the main difficulty in digital design. So e-designer through artificial intelligent algorithms extract from a digital design the formula and give instructions to the production factories to really follow a way and standard procedure to, uh, to produce. And in this way, you can really get exactly, I mean, what you see in your screen is what you will get in a physical uh, garment. So uh, it makes everything more simple. But even like that, this huge revolution, it will take time. 
it will take time uh, and we need really to take the hands of the of the users and uh, the the designers and try to to go with them in this uh, transformation journey when you think about this past year people really couldn't travel you know without tools like this how do you do product development how do you speed up the sampling process how do you speak to your factories overseas don't you think this is part of this is the future really I think it's the future. I mean, the, the beautiful thing with digital design is that you can really make your designs and only when the designs are approved, then you make a physical samples and even you can, you can sell. And after that, you only produce if the consumer ha, uh, have choose. So it's, it's not only a way to communicate in a less travel world, but it's also a, a drive efficiency and take efficiency to, to another level. So very clearly that's the future, but we need to understand uh, what I was saying at the beginning. This is, this is not a target. This is a tool to create value and to better serve our consumers. And I do think that in the next years, physical and digital design are going to uh, work together and will join hands. So talking about uh, more developments on your end, you also opened a innovation hub in Hong Kong last year. A lot of, you were, you were pretty busy for, for a year where the world kind of completely went to a halt. Uh, what was the motivation for launching that and what kinds of products have you produced out of this, out of this office? Well, the, the, the main thing is that when, when uh, you know, at the beginning of COVID, we were thinking how we can serve our society. But the second thing that we understand is that we we were not as a company more in a growing a bit the mode, and we were in in a mode of trying to navigate this storm and come out of this storm stronger, harder, and better. And then we thought, okay, we used to have three to five visits of people from you know USA, China, Europe, Japan, all around the world in our facilities in Valencia every week. It was unbelievable during the last uh, three, four years. So we know that this was not going to happen. And even now we have all these, you know, teams and video conference and everything. We thought that how can we be near our customers? How can we create value? So we decided to, to build uh, three hubs. The first one in, in Turkey, the second one in Hong Kong that was inaugurated in April in April, uh, immediately after the, the, the COVID start. And the third one that is going to be in Miami will open April, May this year. So uh, uh, the idea is to be near our customers. The idea is to take their hands and, and work together with them the sustainability transformation journey. And, and we understand that innovation is not about inventing something. Innovation is about implementing what you have created. It's about impacting the world through sales and through implementing your new operational models. And this requires the emotion and trust. And to create the trust, we need to be near our customers and to act and to think as a global company, but also as a local company. So that's why we decide to create all these hubs really to create the trust and our ambition is to help our customers. It's, it's a, uh, we are extremely happy 
of, of our experience in Hong Kong, and we are sure that we will repeat this in, in Miami as we decide to move our headquarters from Houston to Miami. All right, Enrique, uh, I feel like I could talk to you all day, but I do want to be respectful of your time. So let me just ask you one more question. I know this is very near and dear to you. Uh, can you tell us about Mission Zero, your goal of having no more water uh, or toxic chemicals used in a single pair of genes around the world by 2025? How is that panning out and what steps are you taking to meet that goal? Well, Eddie, thank you for this question. That's my that's my favorite. Uh, mission Zero is, is more than a mission. Uh, Eddie, Mission Zero is our reasons to exist. It's the reason of Genealogia to exist as a company. 30% of the genes that are manufactured today in the planet use our technology. And for the first time in the history, we can really produce with zero discharge. And zero really means zero. To produce a gene, if we don't, you know, consider the water that we use uh, a growing cotton, but only the industrial water, we are contaminating or we were contaminating 100 liters of water. And the global production of genes, if we include five uh, pocket color pants and, uh, and, and you know, denim, blue denim and, uh, and denim jackets and everything, we are talking between five to six billion pieces. So imagine the amount of water that is, is contaminated. In, in fact, textile is responsible of 20% of the contamination of the water of the planet. So we, we, we are inviting, we have the technology to avoid this. We have the technology to completely dehydrate, eliminating the water and detoxify, eliminating any toxic chemistry from genes production. And we are inviting all the brands, all the retailers, but also manufacturers and also our computers, our, our competitors. We have already decided to open our EIM software to everyone in the industry. And even we make the, the decision during this COVID to open some of our IP to all the market to make it possible. And our dream uh, our aspiration, and for sure we are going to do it, is that in 2025, not a single gene in the planet is produced using water or contaminating our rivers. And if you see any genes, genes has always been the uniform of the rebels. So who are the new rebels? And we believe the new rebels is the people that is taking care of the planet. And, and this will, this will be a case study when we achieve this target as a community, because it's not only ourselves, it's, a, it's the full community as an ecosystem, this will be a case study for other verticals. And, and this will be our legacy for the new generation. I, I, I really love fashion. I'm, I'm a fashion lover, but believe me, taking care of the planet is a great business. And really uh, with this initiative, we want to be the best company for the world. Are you concerned at all that COVID slowed down your ability to, to achieve this goal by 2025 or, or you're stick, staying the course, you have the plan and you, you feel there's, there's going to be no issue uh, achieving that? I do think that, that uh, COVID is going to accelerate it. I mean, initially, obviously, because CAPEX is a problem and, and uh, all the companies is trying, are trying to protect the, their costs, initially, it's a slowdown. 
but uh, but very soon I think it's going to to accelerate and and do you think that a consumer after COVID want to buy a garment that has been produced contaminating the, the the planet? Do you think that someone is going to be ready to you know to have loyalty to a brand that is not responsible in the way they produce? Do you do you think that a CEO of a company is not thinking what is the legacy that I'm going to leave to the new generations to my children's? I mean, I I think that that COVID is accelerating the the aptitude of the people and the willingness of the people to link profit, people, and planet. Well, Enrique, I really, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're staying the course. And, and I agree with you um, early in the pandemic. And I've said this often that I was really concerned that sustainability was going to be on the chopping block. I thought a lot of companies were going to cut it, you know, as it wasn't, you know, quote unquote, mission critical, but quite the opposite is happening. I, I see a table stakes. I see it accelerating. It's a place where people are investing more money. And um, I think that's a direct response to how the new generation of consumers are shopping. If, if brands and retailers don't respond to that, then they're not in sync with the consumer demands and they're going to, by you know, definition, fall out, of, fall out of fashion. And I think the entire supply chain has to follow suit. So um, I think it's, it's, it's an upstream and downstream uh, challenge. And um, I, I applaud you for, for, for you know, staying the course. I want to thank you again for joining us. And I want to congratulate you again for being a Rivet 50 uh, member in 2020. And I really hope the next time we get this, you know, have a conversation where we're sitting in person, having a cup of coffee at, at one of our uh, favorite trade shows. Thank you, Eddie. It has been a pleasure to uh, join you. And, uh, and I hope that we can, you know, stay uh, together soon with a cup of coffee or with a nice glass of wine. Amen to that. All right, Enrique. Take care. Take care. Take care. All right. To hear more conversations like this, visit sourceandjournal.com and click podcast.